or just for some Okay, let's pray before we um, do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Father, I just thank you. Um, thank you for tonight and that just coming together and um, learning more about you and just talking about your word. And I just pray that we all leave here different than we came in. Um, have a better understanding of you, better, um, more knowledge of who you are, and a more willingness um, to carry out the call that you've put on our lives. Um, I pray that you just speak through me, that any, um, any of my own thoughts or ideas or anything like that just gets put aside and that you just use me how you want, um, and that your spirit just moves how you want to tonight um, through all of this. Amen. Okay, I have a lot of verses. Um, what else is in the front? Bible study. That's what that's like. He's like, oh, we gotta get out. Um, anyways, but tonight we're gonna kind of transition from different points, but they're all in tied together. Um, so first, just throw out the first verse. So Genesis one twenty six. Will someone read it? I don't want to read verses. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So this is when... Excuse you. <laughs> <laughs> this is when God made um, man. And so it's really important to look at the fact that he didn't just make, like, he didn't just make another creature. He made man to look like him, to be able to act like him, and have that same authority that God has. So he gave us dominion over everything on the earth. Um, yeah, keep going. Pause. I have unrelated requests because Colin did a good job, but can we read like loudly and facing the microphone and also not ridiculously fast? Because it's really hard to hear the scripture when you listen to the recording usually. Cool. Luke 10, 18 and 19. <laughs> and then he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to thread, tread. Tread, yes, tread on serpents and scorpions and all over the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. So again, more authority that God gave us. Um, to be able to go over any um, any power of the enemy and the fact that like, nothing should hurt us. So that means like basically the enemy doesn't have like any power over you. Keep going. Mark 16, 15 to 18. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Okay, so this, Jesus is talking to the disciples specifically. However, you can be like, oh, well, Jesus is just saying, like, the disciples have this power. But that's not what this scripture says. It says... Go out and proclaim the gospel to everyone. And whoever believes this, then will be saved, not be condemned. And all of these signs will accompany those who believe. So it's not just the disciples that do this. So that means that every one of us, if we believe, will be able to be able to cast out demons, speak in new tongues, pick up servants with their hands, drink any, dead, any deadly poison, not be hurt, and lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. And I think that's a big thing that oftentimes we're like, oh, it's just like in the... We almost view the New Testament as, like, the Old Testament. Like, oh, it was, like, back in the old days. But, like, yeah, but the New Testament is still now. We still have this power if because of disciples making disciples, being able to carry that authority out that we still have now. Keep going. First John 4, 1 through 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They 
are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. <coughs> By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Whoever, um, shoot. I promise I can read. Um, whoever, yeah, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. Um, and I think that's really key because oftentimes we're like, we talk about, um, like we have to obey God and what he calls us to do. And so a lot of the times when it deals with another person, we're like, oh, what happens if they like, are like, screw you or they don't do whatever like God asks you to do. But it's not about that. And they very well might not be with God in that. They don't know God, and so therefore they're not going to listen to you in that. Um, but that doesn't matter for you doing what God wants. It's about obeying God in that, not about the other person's reaction, because that's not on you. Um, but again, it's also important to realize, like, you have to test what spirits are there, because there are false prophets, like Antichrist, like they said, is already here. And so there's going to be people that look like righteous people, or that they're doing God's work, but they're not doing that. They're the opposite of that, but it's easy to be deceived of that if you don't actually know or test the spirit that's within them um, and have that understanding of who's God, like God's spirit. I just want to point out too, I just noticed that we were reading it's the spirit of truth versus the spirit of error at the end of six. Yeah. Um, like, not necessarily all of the false prophets are going to be spirits where they're trying to act, like, they're actively trying to deceive you. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes people just talk like that and they're in error, and that's also dangerous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Thank you. <laughs> that's it. I just I like uh, Luke 10, 1 through 11. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborers deserve his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. So looking at that, um, one, I think it's really interesting. Um, Oftentimes, I think when we think of Jesus, we only think about the disciples going, being sent out from him. But this was not just the disciples. If you, it was like 72, yeah, like 72 people. That's a lot of people. Just saying. And like, <laughs> I was like reading this the other day, and I was like, wait a minute. That's a lot of people that like were sent out. And there's like other, I think after this then, Jesus actually like talks to them when they come back from it. And then like, that's technically when like Jesus picks like the 12 disciples. Am I right on that, Luke? I'm like 80% sure, but okay. that's a B minus. That's <laughs> fine. <laughs> so. We can check. I'm like pretty sure that's like how it follows on this. Um, because after like he picked some like some of the people that even went did this like left away because like went away because they're like offended but what by what Jesus said. Um, so one I think that's really important to look at of it wasn't just the disciples going out and doing things even when um, Jesus was there that there were other disciples. Um, of Jesus that weren't necessarily like the main ones that we hear about. Um, the other thing though is like they just went out without anything basically. And that's what God wanted of just to like say like the kingdom of God, we go to the next slide. Um, like the kingdom of God has come near you. Like they wanted him to say that whether you whether they healed them or whether they were um, 
like mistreated, like they didn't accept them. And I think it's also note to like dusting off the feet, dusting off the um, dust that clings to their feet. Um, basically saying like, we're not having it a part of you. Like even that little bit of dust, we're not having it because you didn't accept us. And I think the idea of like leaving, kind of like living your life beyond reproach and being like, kingdom of God is near no matter what, but you're not accepting us, like that's on you. Um, keep going. Ephesians six twelve. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Okay, so how do we do that? Next verse. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-6. For though we walk in flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion, praised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So I throw both of those in there to be like, we have this authority, but it's not just for the flesh. It's not just for like fun and games. But we're fighting the powers of. Who about the other one? Not flesh and blood, but against the rules of authorities, causing powers of the present darkness, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Um, and to do that, we need to take whether it's our own thoughts captive of, again, going back to like the testing of the spirits of like, does it actually align up with what God says, with the spirit of who he is? Um, and if it doesn't, then that's not God. And we need to take that captive and recognize that within our own lives, within our own mind, but within also the people that are around us, to be able to call that out and fight that and to bring that change, um, to bring it to what God's word actually is and who he is. Keep going. Um, so, we just let the weight of that just like pass right right past us we're like oh that's cool that's the bible that's going over there this is literally our struggle is not against flesh and blood but principalities powers princes of the, of the air and like literally that is our struggle as humans as christians as people and Juliet was like oh how do we fight that struggle and she just gave you scriptural evidence of how to fight that struggle and everybody was like oh okay so just read my bible more no Understand the weight of what's being taught. Give it the proper attention. You're good. So with that, though, honestly, kind of along those lines of what we've just talked about, of what are you going to do without authority? We have it. Cool. We, if you understand it, like, what are you going to do now? So Luke 1 through 138. So this is when um, the angel came to Mary and was like, bro, you're going to have a baby in you. Um, the new son of God. Anyways, so this was Mary's response right before the angel left her. She said, and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And I think that's really important to note that it wasn't just like the angel was like, Hey, like you're chosen to be like the Virgin Mary, blah, blah, blah. And then like, like Angel didn't just leave after that. She said, okay, like this is who I am. She says, I'm the servant of the Lord. So she denied who she was, of who God said she was. And then she goes, let it be unto me according to your word. She goes, okay, this is what you said. Now let it come to me. I'm going to follow what your word said. And then the angel left. And I think it's important to note that of like, it's not just okay cool like angel said this is what's going to happen like it still was honestly kind of her choice of being like if she was going to say let it be to me of what your word is then like mary probably was not going to be the mother of joseph honestly joseph joseph <laughs> <laughs> <Not for> sure. <laughs> jesus sorry <laughs> keep going <laughs> matthew 26 36 to 44 Someone please read this. <laughs> then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, 
Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and two of the sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little faster, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And he again came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. So three times, right before Jesus was arrested, he went and prayed to God and was like, If this can happen any other way, can we do that? But if not, your will be done. And so like in that, like Jesus' will had to be broken. Like he did not want to do it. Like he did it. He was like, if there's an option, let's do it. But God's like, no. Like in other, um, other of the gospels, um, an angel comes and it's like basically comforts them in a way. Like in that, and like Jesus, it says like Jesus went bitterly, bitterly because of it. And I think it's important to know, like Jesus wasn't just like willingly off the bat to like go down on the cross. Like he got there, but his will had to be broken because of it. And in the same way, like ours has to be too with that. Like, Jesus knew he was an authority, but he still had to be like, okay, God, like, I know what your will is, but, like, if there's another option, like, that still, like, works in, the like, your purpose, I would totally be down to, like, do that. But he knew, like, that's not what it was, and so he still kept with it. Um, so, like, that's in a scenario for both Mary and Jesus in this of when they're like, okay, this is what God said. This is the plan. I'm going to do this. Like, let your will be done. So, like, a lot of times, like, I kind of struggle with, like, I think Jesus, like, he was obviously, like, a perfect human and everything, but I think sometimes, like, I don't have authority, and, like, um, I think it's really encouraging for you to say, like, they had to break Jesus' will, like, uh, Jesus' will had to be broken uh, according to the Father's will, and I think that, like, that's kind of encouraging to know that, like, Jesus had to do that, like, if yeah. Jesus did that, then, like, we, we need to do that, too. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, like, same That's kind of, like, why I bring it up, though, too, is because, like, I think it's always, like, kind of look glossed over of, like, oh, yeah, Jesus prayed before, like, he was arrested, but, like, we don't actually, like, look at, like, what he's saying of, like, if there's another way. He wasn't just, like, your will be done. He was, like, if there's another way, yes. But if not, I still want your will to be done in that. And, like, because, like, Jesus was human, like, in that. Like, he came as a man for that reason of being able to, like, relate to us within that, too. I think it's very important. Like, we often gloss over sometimes, like, Jesus is this holier-than-thou art, like, figure, which, I mean, he is. I mean, but more importantly, you have to remember he's a man, too. He was a human as well, and that's often looked over and kind of ignored. Um, but I think this verse especially shows you, like he had those temptations that he struggled with. He had those characteristics that he had to deal with. And yeah, go ahead. said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. Yes. I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and Amorites, the Parasite. <laughs> I don't know. All the sites. <laughs> All the sites. <laughs> 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 and 
now behold, the cry, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and I have also seen the oppression with which, with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will not will send you <laughs> to Pharaoh. And wow, I'll start over at ten. <laughs> Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign, the sign for you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve the God on this mountain. Now, 18. And they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God, of the Hebrews has met with us and now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Can you hold it there a second? Okay, so all this, the next part two, we're going to keep going on in this conversation between God and Moses. Um, but basically, like, God is like, Moses, like, this is what I want you to do. Like, this is what's going to happen. And Moses is literally just, like, arguing with God of, like, no, like, who am I? Like, who am I to do this? And he's like, but like, I'm giving you this. And then he was like, but they're not going to listen to me. And they're like, but no. <laughs> and so that's what this is kind of looking at. I'll keep talking about it as we finish up this. I'm kind of jumping around within their conversation too. Like, if you want to look at it more, go for it. But I wanted to look at it. Exactly. So like, I'm not going to read the whole passage to you. Okay, Exodus 4.1. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. Keep going. Exodus 4, 10 to 17. But Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, O oh my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak to you, speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. In taking your hand, this staff, with which you shall do the signs. Can you go back? Okay, so again, Moses is like, who am I to do this? I can't speak well. And God's like, but I made your mouth. <laughs> and then he's still like, but no. And so he, God made a concession in this to have Aaron go. That was not originally what was what God wanted. God's purpose was still, like, ultimate purpose was made, like, out in this. But because Moses was so stuck in the fact that he was like, no, this is not, like, this is not who I am, this isn't this, that Aaron had to come and speak for Moses instead of Moses speaking for himself in that, for God in that. And I think oftentimes, again, like, we do this. We go, because we don't understand the authority that we have, and we think, we don't have it. Like, how often do we do the exact same thing Moses goes? We're like, I can't do that. Like, who am I to do this? People aren't going to listen to me. People aren't going to um, think I'm anything. But God's like, no. Like, I made you. I told you to do this. I gave you this authority. I gave you this power. And we still are like, no. And so this is an example of that concession that can happen of God's plan is still working out in that. But it wasn't his original plan for Aaron to go with Moses to be like speaking for him in that. Keep going. First Samuel 15, 1 to 3, and then 7 to 11, and 13 to 28. Again, you can read this whole thing, but I'm not going to. And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint your king, you, you king over his people Israel. Now therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what 
Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. And Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, Amalekites <laughs> alive and devoted the destruction of all people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fattened calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless they devoted to destruction. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry. And he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel came to Saul. And Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites for the Lord, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop, I will tell you what the Lord has said to me this night. And he told him, Speak. And Samuel said, Though you are little in your own eyes, you are not the head of the tribes of Israel. The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. What then did you not obey the voice? Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took out the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, As the Lord has great delight, as the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and, sa and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me, that I may bow before the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. As Samuel turned to go away, Saul seized the skirt of his robe and it tore. And Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day, and has given it to the neighbors of yours. Who is better than you? Not <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, so this is a third example now of what happens when you have authority of God, you know what God wants you to do, and you now do your own thing. It's not even a concession, but he's just like, nope, this is what I'm going to do. But his heart in that, he was like, oh, but like, we did this, we got these things, because we're going to sacrifice for you. We go one backslide. And he go, the Lord goes, what great is a delight of burnt offering and sacrifice? But he was led, but obeying the voice of the Lord and listening to God is better than any sacrifice, no matter like how good it is. He would rather have you obey him and listen to him. But Saul didn't do that. And if you know the story of Saul to begin with, like, God, like, God making a king was a concession for the people to begin with. God didn't want to make one. But the people were like, please, we want a king. So they're like, okay. He anointed Saul to be king. But then Saul went and did his own thing, and so he took that from him. He took that call off of his life because Saul went and was like, nope, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm disobeying him. And so God rejected him just as Saul rejected the word as well. And so we go to the next slide. And so he goes... From this day forward, it's not your kingdom, and it's going to your neighbors of yours, who is better than you. And if you know the story, it is David, the shepherd boy, who is now taking him. Who, again, like, not comparable to, like, Saul, if you look at it from, like, physical attributes of, or, like, those qualities from it of, 
um, like who they are. But Saul missed his, Saul lost the call on his life because he decided to do what he wanted instead. And with that, we can do the same thing of our lives. It's our choice of whether we're going to obey God or not. It's our choice if we're going to use the authority he has given us for God or not. And if not, if we decide to even, if it looks good, it makes sense of like, oh, I'm making this sacrifice for you, but it goes against exactly what God told you to do instead, you're going to lose it. Somebody else is going to take it who actually wants it more, who's actually going to listen to God and knows his word and is going to obey it. So that's actually like pretty real. Um, when I started, when I when I got saved, when I became a Christian, I was really passionate, and I was okay with getting kicked out of pretty much everything I was in, and losing all my friends because they were mostly fake anyway. And I did that, and then uh, I was just praying. Like after after you know I went through a lot of. Uh, deconstruction and reconstruction and moving from the kingdom of the world into the kingdom of God and, and that whole thing. And I was praying and I just, I honestly, it was, it was one of the clearest times I've ever like felt the Lord say something to me. And uh, he said, you weren't my first choice. I was like, cool, thanks, I guess. <laughs> uh, I'm not really sure what that means. He says, no, you weren't the one I picked first, but you were the hungriest. And, um, you know, I spent about another week in prayer because I, I really didn't know what to do with that. And, and this was, again, before I had any of this language or any of, like, this precedent. Um, you know, I knew, like, three verses. <laughs> and that's, that's pretty much it. And, you know, praying through it, he showed me what he was actually intending. And... and it was weird for me because I knew the guy that I took it from. And, and like, he was like, yeah, like, this is what I had intended for his life. But his will, his pride, his, the way that seemed right to him got in the way. I guess I was just in the right place at the right time. I met this dude who was like a prophet or whatever and broke down my pride because I couldn't lie to him. So, yeah, if you want to know more, hit me up after. That's all I got. Thank you. Okay, next, next one. John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Just keep going. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 11, 14 to 15. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. This kind of goes back to exactly what Carla was talking about earlier, of like, like the spirit of error, of like, it might not just look like the complete deception or whatnot and I think it again like he's coming as an angel of light like if he came as an angel of darkness it'd be pretty obvious <laughs> you know like hopefully but like you know it's pretty easy to decipher like which one's dark which one's light you're like that looks pretty dark right there let's go this way that's not how he's coming because he's coming to steal kill and destroy but like you don't want to like if you just come up to them and you're like bro, I'm going to take this from you, like, give fair warning and, like, all of that, like, it's obvious, but you do, like, the whole, like, sneak attack kind of thing, and, like, <laughs> when I was in, I did this program in high school, it was called, like, Police Explorers, and part of that we did, um, a, it was, like, a mini police academy, if you will, within it, and for, like, the last part of it, we were doing kind of these simula simulations of, like, we were actually getting, like, graded on how we did and all of that. And me and my partner, for this one scene, we were supposed to just go in. It was like 
this person was in there, he had a gun, whatever, so it just kind of like de-escalate the situation. But they decided to test something new on us that they hadn't tried on anybody. I'm still kind of mad about it, like low-key, because I like kind of like had like a little bit of PTSD like after it, like not going to lie. Um, so we go into like this place, we're like checking the rooms and everything. By the time we like get to the end of like the hallway, the person who was supposed to be in this building comes in the door we came in and just like ambushed us. And so like we weren't taught what to do with this, anything like that. And so like that's kind of how like I like view it a little bit of like we're not always going to be prepared or we can be prepared in that. But it's not going to always be like that obvious thing of like there's a bad person in here. Like this is what's going to be like it's going to sometimes catch you off. Like he's going to try to catch you off guard sometimes because like he doesn't want to just like give you the answers if that makes sense but that's why we have to know what the word is we have to know the authority that we have and how to actually carry that out keep going genesis 3 1 to 7 now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the lord had made the lord god had made he said to the woman did god exactly actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden and the woman said to the serpent we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is amidst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was it was a delightful delight to the eyes, and that tree had was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its root and ate. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they saw that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Uh, it's not enough just to know the word of God. Literally, when she was being deceived by the serpent, she repeated, like, the word, the commandment of God. And this isn't, like, the Bible. This is, like, oh, hey, yeah, I talked to God yesterday, and this is what he said, like, in person, in the garden, right here. It's not enough to resist temptation just to know the word of God. You have to trust in it. You have to believe in it. You have to act like it. Because in this, I think oftentimes we overlook, um, he doesn't... The deception wasn't the fact of that they'll be their eyes will be open and they'll be like God. And her desire to eat the fruit because of that is not a bad thing. We should have that desire to be like God because God made us like him. So we should want to know God in that. But the deception was the fact of believing like, oh, we're not gonna die. But the fact is it wasn't a physical death, like immediate physical death that they were that God was saying like that's gonna happen. But the death of one, like that relationship of being able to be in the garden eating with him, being fully and just without any, what's the word? I don't know. Shame. <laughs> huh? Shame. Yeah, shame, sin, just all of that. Being able to just be freely with God and walk with him, talk to him, whatever. But that had to get changed. One, like they got kicked out, not like for their own protection, honestly. So that way they didn't have to live forever. And that shame and stuff but it also was it brought physical death when them even though it wasn't like an instant like ate the fruit died like the whole like snow snow white situation like it wasn't that but it was it brought death within the bodies that's why we die now like that's why that happens but it was her doubting what god said of this will happen if you do this she knew, like you said, Luke, like she knew what she said, what God said. She repeated it back to the serpent. But it was the fact of maybe that's not true and that doubt. And I, that's what, when we sin, that's what man, like the root of like man's sin is that doubt. Because we're like, maybe that's not true. Maybe that's just a little bit different than like we thought. Maybe I misheard God in that. But God made it pretty clear, like, don't do that. <laughs> um... Keep going. First Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. 
God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted behind, beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Keep going. Luke 4, 1 through 8. Someone read it. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me. And I give it to whom I will. If you, then, will worship me, it will be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall not worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Okay, so this temptation of Jesus, it continues on for a little bit, but I don't care. Like, look at it more if you want to see the continuation of it, but what I wanted to look at is, one, the previous verse is, no temptation is, like, new demand. Like, everyone has that same. We all are faced with that. Jesus was faced with temptations. He's faced with the same ones that we're faced with today. It goes, the last verse again said, You'll find that like God will not tempt you more than you can handle, like allow you to have temptation more than you can handle, but he will also provide a way out for you. What is the way out? To know the word of God, to be able to speak that truth back to it. But again, like Luke said, you have to believe it. And so in Jesus in this, he goes, which I also think is funny, he goes, the enemy is like, bro, I'm gonna give you authority over this. Jesus has that. Like, kind of stupid in my book, like, I'll give you this if you worship me. Like, I have it though, but thanks. <laughs> but, like, the fact is, he didn't just, like, he said this, of, like, no, like, this is actually what, like, what God said, and this is how it applies, and, like, he believed it in that, because he believed in the authority that he had, not the authority that the enemy is trying to give him to it would be less than what he actually got after he died for us, the fact that his name is above all names, that when he came, he dropped the authority that, not the authority he had, but he became less when he came down as a man, but after he resurrected, he became even higher than when he started before he came down as a man. Um, I just wanted to add Romans fourteen twenty three at the end. It says, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. I think that's a really good definition of faith. Like sin is not just right and wrong. It is sin. It's something that's not from faith, which mm-hmm. is what you did. Exactly. And I, yeah, because again, like we always are like, oh, like what's sin? You're like, oh, like... I had sex, I cussed, I did something like that. Like, sure. But, like, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I don't know, that's, like, the biggest things. Like, church are like, oh, don't don't have sex, don't cuss, I'm going to hell. And they're like, okay. But then God is like, bro, go pray over that person. And you're like, mm, that's scary. Uh, yeah, I don't feel like it. That's a little bit scary. You know, what if they're like, no, don't pray for me. Then that's on them. You still went and did it. But the fact is like that, if you're not obeying God. Saul was rejected because he did not obey God. You will be the same. Keep going. <laughs> John 10, 14-18. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. And I will lay down my life for, my, for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down for my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus had the authority to lay down his life and take it up again. The enemy did not take Jesus' life. Like, when Jesus died, the enemy did not take it. And that's exactly why, like, humiliated, the devil's not expecting this, to be like, oh, like, Jesus is dying, like, this is all done, but, like, Jesus did it on his own. He's like, nope. Like, he asked, he had to have his will broken to do it, but he still laid it down, and then it got taken back up. But the enemy didn't have anything in that. 
He didn't take it from him. He didn't kill Jesus <laughs> at all. And I think that's really important to know of like this. He had that authority and that's what he used to do it. But also the fact that Jesus knows who's are his. He knows like who are his kids, who are the sheep, whatever analogy you want to use in that. Um, and he knows who are not in it as well. So you can't just like trip up Jesus and be like, I'm in your, I'm a sheep of yours if you're not actually. Matthew 8, 28 to 29. And when he came to the other side, to the country of the... Two demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, Oh, what have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? The demons knew who Jesus was. They didn't just go, Yo, Jesus. They go, Oh, Son of God. Like, they not like they knew exactly who he was. Keep going. Acts 19, 11 to 20. And God said, oh, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched the skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the uh, itinerant, thank you, Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, "I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims." Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them. So they fled out of that house, naked and wounded. <laughs> and this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, Many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Can you go back to the other one? Yeah. They, so these people didn't believe in Jesus, didn't believe what, anything about that. But they saw what Paul was doing, the power that he had, and they're like, let's try that, you know? It works, we're gonna, we're gonna do that for our, our gain too. And the demon knew, they didn't, he didn't know who they were. He goes, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I recognize, but who are you? You can't just, <laughs> you can't just pretend like you, you can't just pretend like you know God and use this or you can't just steal God's power and try to use it for your goy like you don't have that power and authority over the enemy if you don't actually understand the power and authority that God gave you and the fact that it was from God and then if you go to the next icon but because of that incident there were also other believers who then, as a result of it, because they saw what happened when using God, trying to use God's authority kind of for their own gain, they came confessing and divulging what they were doing, the fact they practiced magic, they burned all of that stuff because they were like, bro, like, God is way bigger than I realized. The power that he has, the power that we have is way bigger than this. And it caused them to come and be like, I haven't honestly been giving my all. I've been doing some of this for my own. I've been using, honestly, the power for magic and stuff like that. And the fact that it got to, like, 50,000 pieces of silver, like, that's a lot to be able to just be, like, not just, like, oh, I'm going to, like, give this half-price books. Like, I'm getting rid of it. Like, they just destroyed it completely. And because of all of that, because those people were stupid and got overtaken by the demons, but also because of that, God's goodness became even greater because of that. And more people understood who God was, and that began to um, spread. Keep going. Matthew 7, 21 to 23. 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's a lot. And I've been thinking, will you go back, Colin? I was so confused. <laughs> You're good. Um, so not only did the enemy not know who these people are, but like God's not going to know who you are either. Even though like they were trying to cast out people in, or people, cast out demons in their name and doing those things. And what I've been thinking on with all of this is one, the, the enemy is going to come and tempt you with the word. It might not be look as straight up as it seems in with Jesus' temptation of being like, I'm using this word, like Jesus uses this. But the fact is with any temptation we come across, it's still just using God's word as a temptation to bring that doubt within us of if we actually believe it. Maybe it's not that exact quote of scripture, but it's still God's word and like that underlying thing to try to twist it to be like, this is true, even though it's not. But the thing is, does the enemy know the word better than you do? That's what I've been thinking on a lot. Because the fact is, the enemy knows the word. He knows who Jesus is. He knows who God is. He knows what power they have. That's why those people got overtaken, because they're like, no, I don't know who you are. Like, you can't use this power because you don't know God. And in the same way, people who are even doing these things of prophesying, casting out demons, and mighty works, people are doing things that, like, look at that. Like, look, like, <coughs> like big deals. Like, God's even being like, I don't even know who you are. Like, you don't know me. You never spent that time with me. And what I've been also thinking of that, of like how much more for those who aren't even doing those things, but think they know God. You go to church on Sunday, you maybe go to the thing on Wednesday or whatever, you go to Bible study, go to groups, like Christian groups. We're glad you're here. Yes. <laughs> but if that's all you're doing, if you think just doing, going to certain things, but not actually spending time with God, not actually reading the word to know what it says and to be like, do I believe this? You're going to come on that day and God's going to be like, I don't know who you are. And I don't want that for anyone. But the thing is, like, I can't do that for anyone. You each have to take that on your own accord. Of You're going to be like, am I going to spend that time and I'm going to take this to do this and believe this? Keep going. You want me to go back to some of this one too? So, one oh, time somebody taught on, I was at a conference, somebody taught on these verses, and I just remember I know, something kind of clicked for me. Uh, they had said something along the lines of, like, when God says that, he says it with heartbreak. Yeah. Like, we imagine him, like, yelling, like, we imagine, like, Jesus flipping the tables level anger when we read, like, I don't know you, but he's heartbroken. Like, he knows who you are. He's upset that he doesn't know because you let him. It's not just some, he's not turning some stranger away at the door. He's not like, he's, I don't know what your name is, but he's right. like, he's turning away his child who has become a stranger. Yeah. I was just going to say that, like, I think that's absolutely where your faith comes in because, like, earlier he said something about, like, God doesn't want to just give you the answers, and, like, that's why things can look good or godly, but they're, like, actually not. So, like, I kind of compare that to like a real teacher or like a professor like they want you to do well on the test but like they don't want to give you the answers so like that's kind of a test for you to take it upon yourself to like study and learn the answers instead of actually just like to be given to you absolutely uh, Matthew 19 16 to 24 And behold, a man came up to him, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me what, about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you, would, if you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? 
And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor father, father and mother, and you shall love your neighbors as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So with that, I think it's important to look at of he was keeping the commandments he knew what they were he was practicing that i kind of view it as like you know like the good little church boy like he was he was doing what he's supposed to do but jesus goes this last thing is money you have all of these possessions and that's what's keeping you from me and it wasn't even the fact of because he had possessions but it was his relationship or like idea of these possessions like his love for it and that's what that's why he was lacking to be able to actually get that next step to be able to give his all and I understand most of us are college students from that age probably don't all have a lot of money right now and I get it and so you're like okay cool that's fine like it'll be easy for me to get in but we still have that in our lives what? <laughs> It'll be easy for me to get in. <laughs> <laughs> we still have that in our lives, though. If there's something maybe that we're lacking, that we have great possession in, that our love is there more than it is for God. And we want to be able to keep that, but still keep, but still have that eternal life that God wants or God has for us. And we need to evaluate ourselves being what is keeping us from that? What do we view that is our great possession that we need to give up that God's saying, let this go, give it away, and come follow me? I think a lot, a lot, a lot of the time, like, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll hear, like, rich people say, like, you know, like, money passes and goes, but the one thing you can't get back is time. And, like, legit, though. <laughs> like, um... Isn't it, I forget the actual um, actual quote of the verse, but um, talking about how like where 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 your heart is, your treasures lie. There, your treasures lie, and like a lot of the time, you you spend the most time doing what you really want to do. Exactly. So like, what do you spend the most time doing? You don't have money to spend, but you have time to spend. Yeah. Yeah. I keep going. Revelation 3, 15 and 22. Kelsey, read it. I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, for you say, I am rich, I prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments you out. He doesn't want you. It's going to honestly be the same of, I don't know who you are. Because you haven't decided. You haven't decided if you're actually in this or you're not. You're like, mm, this is kind of working out for me sometimes, but I still like having like whatever I'm doing here, so I'm going to just kind of kind of do what I want, listen to you sometimes when it kind of works for me, listen to what I want to do when it works for me. But God doesn't want that, and he's not going to keep you if that's what you're going to do. He wants to give you those clothes to 
clothe you so that way you don't have to deal with that shame and he wants to have that love and discipline for you but he wants you to repent in order for that to happen and he wants like he's standing at the door and knocking but it's up to you if you're actually going to hear him and listen to his voice for him to even like come within come into you for that keep going Matthew 13, 44 to 50. The kingdom of heaven is a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on, a, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the goods into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field, which a man found and covered up. And in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. It's one field or one pearl that they gave up for everything. Everything for. Thank you. <laughs> they gave up everything for. Are you actually willing to do that? Have you actually done that? So there's a song called Scandal of Grace. It's a worship song. Um, and there's one line where it says, Give all I have just to know you. And I've been thinking about that line a lot. And every time I hear that song or sing it, that line sticks out. And it's like, God really did give all he had, all he had just to know us. Like, he gave his one precious son sent down, and he gave his life. And so it makes me think of this passage. And, like, are we willing to give all we have just to know God? And by knowing God, eternal life is to know God. Yeah. Jesus Christ, in sent John seventeen three. You gain everything. Scripture out there. Um, stop reading that verse and reading Kingdom of Heaven as big sky airy place you go after you die. <laughs> the Kingdom it's of Heaven is neither here nor there, but. What? Are you guys serious? The kingdom of heaven is not food and drink, but uh, peace, love, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. Is that it? I don't know. I just, like, we read that, and we're like, yes, I would sell everything I have to live forever with God. Like, that's not what it means. Like, a kingdom, honestly, when I think of kingdom, I think of it the same way you think of church. Like, we've turned it into this word that means, like, place, building, city, like city boundaries that are also like, unless you build a wall, then I guess it kind of counts. But like the kingdom is the people. The church is the people. The kingdom of heaven is like the people of God. Quit it. Like quit the bullcrap. Like, yeah, sure. I can make this. I can say that I'd sell everything I have to get to heaven. Like, no. Would you give up everything you have to have God inside of you and be in connection with other people that have God inside of them? And move this earth for heaven. I found it. Uh, Romans fourteen seventeen. After all, the kingdom of God is not a matter of food or drink, but instead it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And then there's another one where Jesus says, "The kingdom of heaven is neither here nor there. The kingdom of heaven is among you." <coughs> Luke seventeen twenty one. Yeah, well, yeah. We got a last verse, Colin. I think it is. It might be. Romans 11:36 and Romans 12, 1 to 2. It's literally just the last verse of 11 going into the next of 12. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed 
by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Matthew 16, 24-27 Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. <coughs> for what will it profit if a man... For what will it profit a man if he gains the world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Part of anything from tonight, we have authority. We have a lot of power that we can use. We can be like Saul. And do what we want. Not give it or all. Lose the calling that we have on our life. We can make a concession instead. Or we can be like Mary and Jesus who go, This is who I am. Let your will be done. Your will might need to be broken. But the fact is, it's a count the cost for it because it is a lot. You have to give your everything, or you're getting spit out. He's going to say, I never knew you. And like Carly said, it is a breaking in the heart because he wishes you were there. But it's up to you. None of, no one can make the choice for you. And I don't care what position you're in. I don't care if this is the first time you're here or not. I don't care if you're in leadership. I don't, I don't care who you are. Every one of you needs to decide this for yourself and make it. You have to be decide if you want to actually do this. Because if not, get out. I don't care. Because this is way bigger than anything. God has so much to do on this earth. He has so much power that he's given to us. And if you're just going to sit around and pretend, if you're not actually going to know God and spend time with him and actually figure out what he's even saying to you and figure out, is this even God that you're listening to to begin with, of testing that spirit, and being like, okay, you're telling me this, but do I believe this? If you don't believe it, why? Figure it out. And if you actually want to do it, if you want to do it, it's going to take effort. It's not going to be always fun. It's not going to be easy. And you have to give it your all. And nobody else can make that decision for you. People can be like, read your Bible, pray, do these things. People can be like, yeah, God told you to do this. Go do that. But nobody can force you to do it. God can't force you to do it. Everybody would like to, but nobody can do it but you. It's your choice if you're going to do it. And I don't care how long you've been in anything but if you actually want it then want it and do it because it's it's up to you if you're going to or not if you're going to take that cost but here's the thing honestly count the cost because it's worth it it's so worth it whoever loses his life for my sake will find it i came so you may have life and life more abundant there's one thing that's actually going to be worth your life and worth your time. And it's the God of Israel. Maker of heaven and earth, the Father of Jesus. That's it.